What's up, guys? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. As always, I'm Justin Michael. I'm your host, and we are talking football today. We've got a little bit of scheduling news. We have some alumni news. And then we're going to go down memory lane a little bit and just kind of reflect on some of the greatest defensive backs in CSU football history. Deceptively, I mean, when you think of CSU, I don't think past defense is necessarily, you know, what comes to mind, but there have been some very, very talented players to come through the program. I think it's going to be fun to go through it, researched it, found some, you know, interesting backstories on some of these guys. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Now, before we get into all of this, sure, you're probably hearing how great the mortgage rates are right now, but Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but really what makes them different is Mike is a certified financial planner. He looks at so much more than just the home rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you always feel like a person, not a number. And whether you're looking at refinancing your current mortgage, buying a new home, whatever you need to do, they will make the process as simple and smooth as possible. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com, enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. If you're a little more old school, you want to talk to somebody on the phone, give my man Mike a ring at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Or again, you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com and turn on a free DNVR shirt or hat. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, 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 cool. Cool. All right, let's just start with the news, and that is Weston Richburg, one of the greatest offensive linemen in modern history, really probably just one of the greatest offensive linemen in CSU football history, period, will be retiring this offseason. It's it's a bummer to hear that. It's 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 been a long road for him. I mean, his professional career has definitely been derailed by injuries. Had some shoulder issues, hip injuries, uh, suffered a major concussion in 2017. So, just a lot of different things that have kept him off the field over the years, and that's that's a tough part about playing the trenches, especially. I mean, I remember back when I was working in the offices, you know, talking to some offensive linemen, and you know, they're like, even at, even at the college level you know, you're probably going to have a couple of major surgeries as a lineman. It only increases as you go up. You know, with that in mind, the Weston's career will, you know, his professional career will come to an end after about five seasons and some change. Like I said, missed quite a bit of time. Hasn't played since 2019. In college, though, you know, he was a machine. He was one of those rare guys that didn't, you know, have a lot of major injuries. He played and started in 50 games. That was at the time, a record for the Rams. I think the starts is still a record. Um, was a first-team All-Mountain West selection in 2013. Was a part of that offense that was just a machine. I mean, I talked about it a little bit with Joe Hansley on the podcast last week, and if you missed that, highly recommend that you go back and check it out. It was a blast. We just talked about all kinds of stuff, the differences between McElwain and Bobo, fun college stories, you know, playing under Alvis Witted, what went right for the Rams under McElwain, what, you know, clicked in 2013 that didn't necessarily work in 2012, all kinds of stuff. Definitely go check that out. But 
you know, Weston was the anchor on that on that offensive line, and, and they were absolutely studly. I mean, they averaged 470 yards a game, 204 on the ground. They went for 500 plus eight yards in eight different games in 2013. I mean, we, obviously that 2014 season is the one that everybody thinks back on, and that was a crazy run at 10 and two. But it, it definitely started in the back half of 2013, and to me, it all kind of goes back to that game at at Alabama, you know, in Tuscaloosa. And I know the final score was like 31 to six or whatever, but that's not indicative of what that game was. It was so much closer than that. Turnover in the second half really changed things. But it was a tight game. It was a competitive game. Shaq Barrett absolutely ate in that game. He feasted, feasted. And I think it really helped his NFL, you know, profile on a national level. I think it, it brought some eyes on him that probably wouldn't have been elsewise. Obviously, you know, ending your career the way he did against Washington State in the New Mexico Bowl helped as well. But, you know, that game, I think, was a real eye-opener for people around the country. Like, this program, this team, they have some talented dudes, and, and you know, we saw that. Weston ended up getting taken in the second round in the 2014 draft the spring after. He just, he was one of those guys that was smarter than everybody else on the field. He was mean, he was nasty in the trenches, but he was so intelligent. He just played the position the right way. And I know that's a bit of a, a cliche, and it totally is, but... You just, you watch this dude, and he always finished his blocks. There wasn't a moment where Weston wasn't looking to take a dude out, and that's what I want in my center. You know, I don't want somebody to just do his thing and then just kind of stand there. No. Go out there and look for contact. Look for heads to roll. And Richburg had that mindset. He had that mentality. It's kind of funny, you know, he's another example of one of those players that was brought in by Fairchild and ended up going pro under McElwain, and there were or I guess, yeah, under McElwain, there were a lot of talented players that Fairchild brought in. I mean, you know, he recruited Joe Hansley, even though McElwain ended up sealing the the deal with him. He recruited, you know, Shaq Barrett and and Capri and Weston and Ty Sambrilo and Crockett Gilmore and all these dudes, a lot of guys that went on to play professional football, Gary Grayson. For some reason, he just couldn't seem to ever consistently put it together and win, you know? I... It'll never really make sense to me. Fairchild was obviously a brilliant mind. He obviously had an ability to identify talent. He just couldn't seem to lead the team like as a head coach. And and I don't know, that, that kind of goes back to the conversation I had with Joe where, you know, he talked about how some of the guys that were still, you know, carryover in 2012 from that 2011 season, how, you know, they didn't really care about winning. They just wanted to be on scholarship and have a uniform and, you know, all the allure that comes with being on the football team, but they didn't actually care about playing or winning. And I don't know. It just seems like Fairchild couldn't really set the culture, I guess would be the way to describe it. But it wasn't for a lack of talent. He brought some of these dudes in and McElwain took them over the edge. Um, you know, that with Richburg, the, the cool thing about him, I, I mentioned he was so nasty in the trenches, but what really stood out to me about him and, and Shaq Barrett and, and Ty and Bernard Blake and Crockett and a lot of these guys these guys were ballers. They were really talented football players. But they treated people with, you know, kindness and respect. And and unfortunately, you know, especially in football, I think more than other sports, and I don't really know why it, it is football. I, I, I guess it's just with, like, the way that football it plays a role in our society. It's, it's so easy to get that inflated ego. But 
these guys were different. You know, they were they were kind. They treated you know trainers and and you know lowly staff people with dignity and respect. And and I always thought that was really cool. I mean, there were there were some examples of pretty talented players that have come to the program that were not like that. And I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna throw them under the bus. This is that's not the point of this. But my point is these guys they were special and they did it the right way on and off the field. Following, you know, his CSU time, he was the first Ram to represent in the Senior Bowl since Joel Dreesen in 2004, so almost a decade. That's a big deal. I mean, you could just kind of feel the tide turning. You could feel that things were starting to turn in the right direction. Obviously got drafted in the second round. That shows what the NFL thought of him. Still played, you know, in, in 79 games, made 78 starts at the NFL. Like, this was, it, he translated. And wasn't an instance of him being drafted too high and not panning out. He just couldn't stay healthy. And that happens, especially at the position he plays. But even so, a really respectable career, a guy that's always going to be beloved in CSU circles. You know, he's going to be beloved in Fort Collins. Recently donated donated a million dollars to CSU Athletics, the first alumni under the age of 30 to do so. So that's, you know, a big deal. All of that stuff, I think, is what makes him so endearing to two CSU fans. And we wish him well. You know, I, I think it sucks that his professional career is probably coming to an end sooner than he would have hoped. But I think it's really smart to get out while you still can. I mean, there are so many instances of guys that they hang it up when it's a little too late and not a little too soon. And the rest of their lives are just brutal because of it. I mean, it's a it's a crazy sport. It's a it's a violent sport and it does horrible things to your body. I think we all know that. So good luck. Good luck to Weston. We all wish you well. You had a really great run. You represented the Rams well in the National Football League. And now I wish you a happy retirement. It wouldn't surprise me if you became like a high school football coach or maybe even a college football coach. You know, maybe, maybe we'll see him back in the fort sooner than we think. piece of news that we have is that the opener, the 2021 football opener is not going to be on Saturday, September 4th. It's actually going to be Friday night game on September 3rd. The schedule is expected to announce any minute now. I mean, I think probably by Wednesday afternoon, it should be out. But CSU football on Tuesday morning, that's when I'm recording or Wednesday morning. That's when I'm recording this. They announced that the the opener is going to be on September 3rd, and I like that. It, it's going to be on national TV. My guess is FS1 with South Dakota State status, but it'll probably depend on what other games are that night. So maybe CBS Sports Network. Either way, a good chance for national exposure. I mean, not ESPN. You hope you get that FS1 spot for sure. But I think it'll be awesome. I mean, it, it won't be as hot as it would be if the game was a Saturday afternoon game. We all know how brutally hot it can be. It should be an electric atmosphere under the lights. I mean, the first time that the fans have been able to attend a game in close to two years, that's going to be fun. More time to tailgate. That's always a bonus. And then beyond that, you get to watch all the other games on Saturday and, and not have any conflicts with Labor Day. You can have barbecues if you want. You can watch all the other college football games if you want. That's what I'm going to be doing. Just diving in face first into the opening weekend of college football does not get any better than that. So overall, I think it's a, I think it's a win, 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 win. I mean, the only thing 
that <laughs> I guess it, it conflicts with high school football, and that's a bummer. I do I do get the the gripes there. You know, if you have a you know a, a son that play or daughter or daughter you know that plays high school football, um, you know you you won't be able to attend, and and that's a bummer. And I do think that having you know college football games on Friday nights probably hurts, you know the just attention that goes to high school football in Colorado. I mean, we all know it's not that of Texas or the South or California or I mean even probably Arizona, but I do think there's a lot of talent here. So I think it's a bummer whenever you take attention from these guys. But you can't. I mean, if you're CSU, it's it's a t- tough position. Like you don't want to do wrong by the Colorado high schools. But ultimately, you know, you got to do what's best for you. You got to do, you know, what works for you. And I think having a game on national television on Friday night is better than having it on Saturday afternoon and conflicting with everyone else. I just do. So ultimately, I think this is great news. I'm really excited. September cannot get here soon enough. I can't wait to be back at Canvas Stadium, taking pictures, feeling the atmosphere, hearing comatose fire, all of it. Inject that straight into my veins does not get any better than college football and I love having the opener under the lights I think it's awesome I think it's going to be a lot of fun and I hope that the fort is rocking that night I hope it's a sold out game I know that you know South Dakota State isn't the sexiest opponent but they're a damn good team I mean they just went to the FCS championship this spring they can play that is not a game that you know you should go in feeling big cocky in fact I'm, I'm quite nervous but I look forward to breaking that game down as we get closer diving into the roster all that stuff I'll obviously dive into the rest of the schedule when that's announced as well. So lots of stuff coming up. Really, really looking forward to college football season getting here and starting to dive in on a deeper level. And uh, we're going to start doing that really in the coming weeks. So it's it's a good time to be a Ram fan, guys. Good time to be a college football fan. The, The entire vibe right now is just so different than it was last year. Last year, you know, it was, God, like, I hope we have college football. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying every single night. Now it you know, I think we're going to. There there might be some hiccups along the way, but I think by this fall, things should be functioning a little bit more smoothly. And I, for one, cannot wait. The last piece of news we have before we kind of transition, and, and this is kind of a, a good way to do it, is that legendary Colorado State cornerback Ray Jackson has been promoted by the Denver Broncos, one of the greatest DBs um, in program history. Still the program's all-time leader in interceptions with 20. Also holds the school record for longest pick six. A 100-yard pick six that he had against UTEP in, uh, excuse me, 1993. He was the backbone of some of those whack-winning championship teams with safety Greg Myers, and that's kind of what I'm going to I'm going to talk about him a little bit today. Ultimately was drafted in the fifth round by Buffalo in 1996. Had six years in the NFL with the Bills and Browns. Over that course, had six interceptions. Worked for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a decade before being hired as the director of player development by the Broncos back in 2015. Now he's the VP of player development. A well-deserved promotion for Ray Jackson, a legendary Ram. And a guy that's had a really nice career as as a, you know, executive in the league. And I think that's really dope. It shows, you know, what people think about him. Justin Simmons, Cortland Sutton, all, you know, tweeting really encouraging things. Simmons basically said, I am, you know, where I am today because of Ray Jackson. I think that's cool. It's cool to see so many former Rams succeeding 
Uh, Clint Kubiak recently promoted to offensive coordinator. There's just a lot of a lot of former guys that rep the green and gold doing big things. What I wanted to talk about today, though, is you know of all the of all the talented defensive backs to come through the program over the years. You know who would who would be your starters if you could do it, and this is kind of something I explored a little bit last year with the DNVR uh, all-time Rams roster. I created a team on NCAA football, played with them, and it was so much fun. I still have that roster. I'm gonna get into that a little bit this summer as well. Um, but it's it's such a tough debate, and the and the reason is is like do you got do you go with the most raw skilled or do you go with the most statistically successful? it's kind of impossible to compare some of these eras because we don't have video of a lot of these, you know, legendary guys that played in the late forties, early fifties. I mean, even really the dudes that played in the nineties, like there's just not a lot of video out there of them. I've seen a lot of their games or, you know, a lot of people got to watch them live, but it's just not the same and it sucks. I really wish that there was more of this, you know, available to the public, but nonetheless, you know, it's just for fun. You know, if if you want to pick other guys, that's fine. And, and, I'm going to open up the floor to everybody on Twitter to let them give some input after this podcast, uh, guys, they want me to talk about on the next one. Um, but I just figured I'd kind of get into some of the best defensive backs to ever come through the program, at least started. This might be a two-parter. Um, Jackson is obviously up there, 94 solo tackles in his career, 20 career interceptions, still the most all-time. Also had six blocked punts slash kicks. So really versatile special teams contributor as well. Just an absolute beast of an individual. I mean, could you imagine him and Myers patrolling that secondary in a modern, you know, like a modern passing offense or against a modern passing offense where they would just have so many opportunities to just rack up stats? It'd be amazing. It'd be absolutely amazing. These dudes just flew around all over the field. And uh, yeah, so I'm just going to kind of jump into it. Before I get into some of these guys, though, going to shout out our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. It's playoff time, which means bigger stakes, even bigger promotions. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $5 into $200. That's 40 to 1 odds on any basketball game. All you have to do is pick any team that is still on the hunt for the trophy. If that team wins, you will receive $200 in free credits. That's right, pick any team that is still in contention at $5. And if that team wins, you cash $200 in free credits. All it takes to claim these 40 to 1 odds on your favorite basketball team placing a $5 bet on any team and for that team to win. DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, MMA, futures for the NFL. If you want to bet on it, they have options for it. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $5 into $200 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win the next game, and if they do, you will be able to claim that $200 in free credits. Again, with that promo code DNVR when you sign up, for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Wagers paid out in site credits. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I also want to shout out Solace Meds. We have partnered with a premier dispensary for you to get some smoking hot deals with. Nobody has better deals than Solace Meds, especially right now. They've got a Memorial Day sale. Buy three, get one free on the entire store. You can get 20% off all Glacier Concentrates, 
20% off uh, Mile High Extraction, 1,000 milligram cartridges, 20% off gummies. What's even better though, you can get an additional 20% off of these, these sweet deals when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout. Solace Meds makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. Head to their website, view their menu, order online, and pick up from one of their four Colorado locations. They've got one in Fort Collins for all my CSU people, one in Wheat Ridge, one off of Broadway, and one just blocks away from the DNVR bar on East Colfax. Just head to solacemeds.com. Enter that code DNVR20 at checkout and save 20% on your order. Nobody does it better than Solace Meds. Word, 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 word. So we're going to continue this conversation with some of the most decorated defensive backs in Colorado State history. And there's a lot of different ways that you can go with this. Like I said, it's it's kind of a subjective process. If you only lean on stats, there's some guys that would make the cut. If you lean on what they accomplished as professionals, that could be, you know, the deciding factor. But, you know, ultimately, there have also just been some guys that did some pretty crazy things at CSU and didn't do a whole lot in the NFL. We'll talk about all of them, though. Um, starting things off, I think if you're going to talk about defensive backs, the greats, you have to talk about Jack Christensen, one of the greatest multi-sport athletes of all time, actually started only as a track star, ended up trying out for the team as a sophomore after Harry Hughes recruited him. First game, dude goes for an 89-yard punt return against Colorado. And then, you know, the rest was history. Played at Colorado AM, 47-51. Um, 46 interceptions as a safety in the NFL, 13 touchdowns, eight of which were punt returns, considered one of the greatest punt returners of all time, a five-time Pro Bowler, a six-time All-Pro, and a three-time world champion with the, the Detroit Lions. Eventually became the head coach of Stanford, also coached the 49ers for a while. He is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame and the College Football Hall of Fame. When I was researching him, I actually found a really cool article published by Brooke Johnson of the Canyon City Daily Record in 2019. This is a free article. Again, it's on the Canyon City Daily Record by Brooke Johnson. It was a really cool feature, just talking about how an incident in high school completely reshaped Jack Christensen's life. Now, I don't want to you know, go and, and spoil everything because it's a phenomenal article. It's been a couple of years now, though. So I will, you know, kind of tell the story, and I highly recommend you go read the entire thing. Around Halloween 1945, Jack Christensen was a senior in Canyon City. Christensen and some of his friends, they wanted to play a prank, you know, classic high school shenanigans, especially in the 40s. I mean, it almost sounds like the plot to a, a you know, stand by me or something. Hey, fellas, like, let's go play a prank in Old Town. What they end up doing they take a bicycle rack, which is on, you know, the corner, and they put it right in the middle of Main Street. Oh, what a hilarious prank. We put the bicycle rack in Main Street. You know, relatively harmless. This is where things just go absolutely fucking crazy. Apparently, a police officer witnessed them do this, shouts at them to stop, which, of course, you're never going to do. I mean, classic moment. The cops stop. You're a group of high school kids. What are you going to do? You're going to take off. You're going to dip. You're going to run instinctively. That's what they do. They take off. They don't want to get in trouble. This dude shoots at them. Granted, it's the 40s. I don't understand this at all. How his, this was a logical line of thinking to him. 
hey, these high schoolers played a harmless prank. I'm going to freaking shoot at them. It was supposed to be a warning shot. It ricochets off the concrete, goes into Jack's left arm, shatters the bones above his left elbow. Now, at the time, Christensen was actually a basketball star. And it ended his basketball career. He didn't, you know, he had limited mobility in his left arm for the rest of his life. I mean, this, what was supposed to be, you know, a a relatively harmless high school prank almost, you know, was tragic in a sense that, you know, he almost got killed. But it ends up, you know, ruining his, his basketball career. The high school newspaper, they publish an article that talks about how the Stars, you know, career is over. The town is devastated. He ends up going on to Colorado A&M. Like I said, decides to try out for track as a freshman and makes the team. Does really well. Harry Hughes sees this guy and is like, man, I could do something with this. This guy is a freak athlete. As I already alluded to earlier, proves it game one. Returns a punt, 89 yards for a touchdown against Colorado. Ends up, ha- ends up having a really, really nice career as a safety at CSU. Gets drafted in the sixth round by the Lions. He was six foot one, 162 pounds. He was my size. I don't know, you know, if, if you know exactly what I look like, but you pull up my Twitter picture, it's clear to see I am not that big of a dude. That's basically my exact size. I am six one. I weigh closer to 170. I actually weighed more than him. Now, obviously, he was a hundred times the athlete that I was. He went on to be a six-time All-Pro in the NFL. But I just think it's funny that you know when you think about that now, what would a six-foot-one, 160-pound DB even have a would he even get a tryout? I doubt it. I mean, I highly doubt he would have to be the freakiest of athletes to even get a look. They would laugh him out of the freaking room. But luckily for, you know, Jack Christensen, it was a different time. He was able to go on and have a legendary career. Obviously, the track field is named after him. And, you know, the old football stadium was named after his head coach. So two of the most influential people in CSU football history involved with the program at the same time. I love hearing about that type of stuff. Um, I recommend that you follow John Hearn, CSU football they're uh, actually CSU Athletics, their official historian. He is on Twitter at Aggies to Rams. He gave me a copy of his book, and I love reading it. I love reading about the history. But I thought that this story from, you know, Christensen's crazy high school prank was just so cool. And again, make sure that you go check it out. Read the entire article. I will tweet it out by Brooke Johnson of the Canyon City Daily Rec- Record into from 2019. One of the other great defensive backs, and it's around the same time, actually um, the only CSU football player or CU football player to be drafted number one overall, Gary Glick, 1953 to 1955, drafted number one overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 1956. Now, I will add that Glick is kind of a complicated one because he did play safety in the NFL, but as John Hearn has explained to me, he he was not actually a defensive back, you know, primarily in college. He played halfback, he played kicker, he played linebacker, he was a defensive end, and he played some quarterback. He did lead the, the nation in interceptions with eight in 1954, so that's kind of confusing, I guess, as a linebacker. You know, football was played so differently back then, I mean... It's tough to, to tough to translate, but I just wanted to add that, you know, technically, you know, he wasn't a corner, like a true safety. 
he was basically everything else. Some background info on Gary Glick, other than being, you know, the only player drafted number one to come through CSU or CU. He was um, born in Nebraska, moved to Lakewood with his family for a while. I got this info via CSURams.com from an article that was published on him, I I imagine, by John Hearn. It actually doesn't have a byline, but based on the type of info in there, uh, I'm guessing it's by Hearn. He was a three-sport star at Cashalopooter High School. He then entered the Navy, where he played football, basketball, and softball. He was the 1951 Navy Athlete of the Year. So a really talented dude, really versatile athlete. After a couple years in the Navy, decides to go back to his hometown. He marries his high school sweetheart. He also attends Colorado A&M, where his three brothers also attended. Like I said, he he, uh, led the nation with eight interceptions in 1954. That's still a school record. Went on to play in the NFL, played with the Steelers from 56 to 59, the Redskins from 59 to 60, the Baltimore Colts in 61. In 62, he was a defensive backfield coach for the Denver Broncos, actually. And then in 63, returned to play for the San Diego Chargers, who won the AFL championship that year. His post-playing career was pretty interesting. He coached in the CFL. He played for a Team USA senior softball team that won multiple world championships. Uh, again, all of this article from uh, from the article that was written on him after his passing. And he went on to live in Fort Collins after he retired, passed away in Fort Collins in 2015. A ram through and through. One of the most important players in CSU football history, you know, regardless. You know, like I said, it was obviously a different era. You can, you know, guys like him and Jack Christensen, they, they probably wouldn't have even seen the field in, in the modern era. But they dominated at that time. And they were just really important. I mean, if, if you were taken number one overall in the NFL draft, you were clearly pretty special. Clearly pretty special. And I just love that. I love that CSU can brag about having a guy that was taken number one overall. What, you know, what other programs from the Mountain West can say that? Or, you know, like I said, even CU doesn't have a number one overall pick. They've got a Heisman. They've got half a national championship. But we got this one. That's the one we get to brag about. And you bet your sweet ass we will. All right, let's just keep it rolling. I'm not, I think this is going to have to be a two-parter because I like talking about these guys too long, too much. And if I, if I don't break this up, it's going to end up being like an hour and a half podcast. Um, so let's talk about Greg Myers. Let's talk about a modern guy. He played safety from 1992 to 1995. The backbone of that secondary alongside Ray Jackson, part of the back-to-back WAC championship winning teams in 1994 and 1995. In my opinion, Greg Myers is probably the best defensive back in CSU history. Now, I think it's it's a tough argument, but just with what he did, I mean, he won the Jim Thorpe in 1995. That's given to the nation's top DB from Windsor, Colorado. Originally, he was a two-time All-American, um, the third consensus All-American in program history. He was the first ever um Ram to be first-team All-America on the field and an academic All-American in back-to-back seasons. Went on to be an anesthesiologist after playing six years in the NFL. So obviously, like, a really brilliant dude, a really talented athlete. But when you just, when you look at, when you watch him play, I mean, he just flew around the field. He was a freak athlete. 14 picks. Also had four punt returns for touchdowns. So very, you know, Jack Christensen-esque, just bigger. 
He ended up getting drafted in the fifth round by the Bengals in 96. Like I said, played four years for the Bengals, one year for the Cowboys, so five years, not six years, excuse me. I just, I love the way he played. He was so exciting. I, there's not, unfortunately, like I said, there's not as many videos and, and games out there as, as I would like, but I've seen some recordings, some old VHS tapes from back in the day. What was really fun about him, too, is he looked fly as hell, rocking that number three out there. There's just something about a single-digit DB that's swaggy. Like, I love that the NFL is doing that this year. I love that Patrick Sertan gets to wear number two. You know, I, I, Tyron, I was a big Tyron Matthew fan, obviously rocking number seven at LSU. Greg Myers rocking the number three. That'd be a cool way to kind of honor him, is have, you know, like the, the best safety wear number three in, in honor of Greg Myers. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I think that'd be kind of a cool tradition, though. Some of the other guys that I have on the list, John Howell, Jim David, Early Thomas, Bernard Blake, Dexter Wynn, who's probably more revered as a special teams guy, a return guy than a true cornerback, but he went on to play in the league. Early Thomas, there were just so many great defensive backs in Colorado State history. And I think I'll uh, I think I'll keep talking about that. I think I'll keep researching some of these guys, give you a little bit more backstory and you know, we'll dive into some of these other guys on the next pod and talk about the schedule as well, but I think it was just fun. And I especially love talking about, you know, Jack Christensen and and some of that craziness. I mean, what a crazy story. Could you imagine that doing something as simple as a moving the bike rack into the street and getting shot for it? Just insane. Absolutely insane. But uh, yeah, that's all we have for today's podcast. Looking forward to continuing this one tomorrow. Thank you to everybody that continues to listen. I know that it's the off season. It's You know, this time kind of drags for everybody, but September will be here before we know it. College football will be here before we know it, and we'll be talking about college football before we know it. Gotta love it. Thank you to everybody that supports my content. Peace. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.